0: Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's Dawn and Steve in the morning. Good morning from Moody Radio. Coming up right now, Mark Gregston is joining us from Parenting Today's Teens to talk about Engage Nashville and its simulcast. Well, we're looking forward to that conversation uh, with Mark. Yes, the special event is coming up, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after that. And uh, if you are raising teens, this is something that I hope is on your radar screen. As uh, Briggs just said, You probably recognize the name, Mark Gregston, from Parenting Today's Teens. And uh, exactly, we uh, so appreciate Mark and want to make sure that uh, we connect you with him. If you are raising kids, man, I hope you're listening to that show every Saturday morning right here on Moody Radio. Well, as he takes another uh, sip of coffee here, we're going to introduce Mark Gregston. Not only is he the voice of Parenting Today's Teens, but uh, founder and head of Heartlight, which is a really cool organization that really pours into the lives of kids who are struggling. And, Mark, appreciate your time as we talk a little bit about some of the struggle of raising teens this morning. One of the things that I think we continue to hear about teens is they desire to have relationship. They even maybe are trying to pursue relationship through devices and feeling like they're a part of some sort of online community. But our teens are maybe lonelier than ever, Yeah, and they're living in that weird tension of, I want relationship, but I don't. I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know what that looks like. How do we, if we're raising kids and teens in particular, how do we uh, cultivate healthy, relational community with our kids?
1: Yeah, what a great question. And and here's the thing. (laughs) We've all been designed to be relational. And and so I think what people don't understand sometimes is that the very thing that kids are doing they're longing to create relationships with other people it's not working because it doesn't happen through a device it happens one on one with somebody else. And so it's almost like the frustration level goes up. 52% of kids can be diagnosed with some form of, you know, just mental challenges I would say like um like whether that be anxiety or depression or bipolar those things but it's it's a lot of it's because they don't have the relationships around them and then parents get frustrated you want to have a relationship but you're not spending time with anybody uh, you you want somebody to listen to you but you don't talk to anybody and I think that's the paradox that that this group goes through and why we see so much confusion among these kids is because what they want, they really aren't pursuing, even though they would say that I want it, and they understand that it is the the core of their frustration with the culture that they live in.
2: Uh, we shouldn't really be surprised because I think sometimes— we understand that very thing. What we want to do, we don't want to. Paul said that, right? I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. So we can kind of put it in our context and go, oh, oh yeah, I get that. But how can I help my teens? 52%, Mark, that's huge.
1: It's crazy. It's crazy. But I I think that's, that's one of those things that you and I have said that we're glad that we don't have to, grow up in this culture. We've all said that, but our kids do. Mm -hmm. And because they do, they're going to feel the impact somewhere and they're feeling it relationally. So parents are always saying, so what can I do to engage my child differently? And I go, mom, dad, you've got to force it to happen. If you don't force it to happen, it's going to default to a kid that's going to be isolating by themselves, going to be engaged everywhere else, and is going to push out every kind of relationship around them in pursuit of what they think might fulfill that, and that's you know that social networking or or just the entertainment that they get from the internet, or you know for some people watching movies like crazy that that they get so consumed with that. And what's happening? Because there's nothing wrong with any of those. The problem is it keeps them from developing the relationship. So it's a mom and dad who says, you know what, we need to sit down once a week. And sit down and go get coffee or ice cream or whatever they want, frozen yogurt, call it whatever you want, and say, let's go sit down and talk. And when you do sit down, spend time and do nothing but ask questions, not in an interrogating way, but in, in such a way that a child you know, really knows that you're concerned about their heart. And over time, your child will become used to always being the one that that is having questions asked of him, but now will start asking questions of you. Hey, Dad, hey, Dad, what did you struggle with when you were in high school? Hey, Mom, was the sex thing that big of a thing when you were in high school? Was, you know, you know I think them answering or asking the questions that are the most difficult is what we've been practicing for forever. And we're longing for our kids to do that. So, And then when parents answer those questions, don't answer with just more information. Answer with a sense of wisdom with what you've gathered, what you've observed, what you've reflected on, and what you've experienced. So be prepared. When your child starts asking you questions, you've gotta give them something that they want, not something that they can find anywhere else.
2: Mm -hmm. I think that's so important to take the risk, get engaged and have those conversations with your kids. We have Mark Gregston with us today from Parenting Today's Teens and that conversation continues here in just moments, connecting you to him on our Facebook page, Don and Steve in the Morning Moody Radio.
0: Whatever you pick for breakfast, make sure it includes Dawn and Steve in the Morning on Moody Radio. We're talking with Mark Gregston, and uh, Mark is the voice of parenting today's teen, and you can hear him every Saturday morning right here on Moody Radio. Uh, Mark, you were saying just a few moments ago, if we want to uh, engage and cultivate a relationship with our kids, sometimes we have to make that happen. Some parents extend the invitation like, hey, let's go grab ice cream, let's go out to coffee, let's do whatever, and their kid is like, nah, don't really want to do that. (laughs) Or maybe they get them to do it once and it doesn't go well, doesn't go smoothly. When you get the pushback, when you feel the resistance, how do you keep pushing through in a way that's going to be effective?
1: You know, we train horses. Um, it's amazing that we train horses and you ask first, then you demand. And it's a so part of it is I just want to I just want to spend time with you. And a, a kid may say, yeah, I want to do that. And some kids say, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. And that's where you kind of play your trump card and say, well, then I'm not paying for your phone. And if you can't sit down with me for an hour a week, then I'm not going to spend time. But here's the question that I think every parent needs to be asking themselves. Why is my child bored with me? Why would they rather spend more time being entertained by a little phone than they would be engaging with me? And it's one of those things where where I think all of us have to ask ourselves the question, Lord, search me, know my heart, and see if there's any hurtful way in me. Am I doing something that is keeping my child from wanting to spend time with me? I mean, I may be boring. I, I may be correcting them all the time. I may be uh, making insensitive comments i may be uh, not i may be more concerned about controlling their life than i am the condition of their heart i may be more concerned about talking 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 rather than maybe what i need to be doing is listening 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 and listening not with the idea of trying to figure out how to respond and teach a lesson moms Not every moment has to have a lesson to it, tied to it.
2: Sure, I don't know what you're talking about, (laughs) (laughs) Mark.
1: It's okay to just stop and listen to the heart of your child without responding. But, but have the goal to understand them more and more and just sit in quiet. I mean, even Scripture says that even a fool appears wise when he keeps his mouth shut. A fool delights in airing his opinion. And so when you're moving a child from a teaching mode to a training mode, what that means is I'm now going to change positions, not like I treated them when, when they were a preteen, but now that they're a teen, I'm going to engage differently. Because a lot of the things that we're doing are pushing our kids away rather than drawing them to us. And when they become teens, that's when every mom and dad has got to sit down and say, how are we, how are we going to shift our parenting style to accommodate the new needs of our kids so that we can remain a part of their life at the time that they need us the most?
2: And it's hard. I, I, it is hard. It's so hard because you do, you parent them differently when they're little and to learn that skill set to go with them as they get older it takes effort. And I hear you saying, Mark, to, to be ready to not um, to, to shift so you can help steward mm-hmm. the heart and grow the heart. But what does that shift look like? Is it just listening and never giving any kind no, of no, teaching? No, no, no.
1: no it, what it means is that, that I'm going to change my style of relating with them. I've always been in a teaching mode prior to them becoming a teenager. Now I need to be in a training mode which i'm going to means i'm going to let them make more decisions i'm not going to i'm not going to be lecturing them i'm going to have discussion i'm not going to be telling them things i'm going to be sharing things with them i'm not going to be talking i'm going to be listening i'm i'm not going to share information i'm going to share wisdom I'm going to be, instead of taking responsibility for their life, I'm going to let them start taking responsibility for their life. It's a shift in the way that I engage. So it's preparing my child to live in the world that they're going to live in, not the one that I live
0: in. All right, Mark, I can just uh, imagine certain parents saying, but if I do that, they're going to make some really bad decisions. And I want to spare them the pain of those bad decisions. Do I let them fail? Do I let them walk through that pain?
1: Yes, yeah. I mean, there's times where you say no. I mean, if a child says, I want to drive a car 120 miles an hour into a brick wall. No, you don't allow those things to happen. There's there's things that that I mean, you still have to be a parent, but you have to start letting that rope out so that they can flex those decision making muscles so that when they leave home and they will one day that they'll be able to pick up the harder and, and the heavier issues and make decisions about those because they've flexed their decision making muscle. And so I mean th- those are all little things that we can do to engage a child differently so that we can offer them and show them this life that we've that we've been talking about forever now it's time to start showing them
2: Mm-hmm. And, and emp- that empowers them It empowers them to be the people that God has designed and called them to be And that's why we love so much Mark Gregston and the work that Heartlight Ministries is doing And and tools, that's exactly what you want to provide, Mark Tools for parents, for families yeah. And I know one of those tools is a big conference that's coming up It's actually going to be in Nashville, but it will be simulcast. You have opportunity to get all kinds of information, and we have the Engage 23 info on our Facebook page. It is Don and Steve in the morning, how you find us on Facebook, or text us, uh, 800-555-7898. We can send it to you in that way. But bottom line, it's Engage23.com for more information right there. Mark Grexton, it's Don and Steve in the morning, Moody
0: Radio. Thanks for being with us on Moody Radio. Why not take Dawn and Steve with you wherever you go? Download the Moody Radio app. Thanks Uh, for...
2: Yes. So the app, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Briggs, because we've had a couple of questions about the app. I can't really answer them, but here's here are the two things I would advise you to do. Make sure you have the updated app. We updated at the beginning of the year because 52 weeks in the word, our new podcast is now live. And I think we're six weeks in, so you have plenty of time to get caught up. It's not a very long podcast. And Trillian Newbell is so, so precious. We just love that, sister. And so that is one thing. You want to make sure you have the updated app. And then if it's not working... Try restarting your phone. It seems like everyone we've talked to that has restarted the phone, that does what it needs to do. So those are my two pieces of advice. Oh, no, I have one more. Yes. If you don't have the movie radio app, go Go get get it. it. (laughs) So that's my third piece of advice. We're so glad you're here this morning. You know, life gets really hard sometimes, and we want miracles. We want the Lord to change circumstances. We're praying, sometimes even begging Lord, please change this circumstance. Make it okay. Make it right. Mm-hmm. And when that doesn't happen, there's all kinds of fallout from that. Spiritually speaking, sometimes we just accept it. Okay, Lord, we know you're in control. You're sovereign. And that wasn't your plan. Other times, we're bitter.
1: We're we sad. can't be. Yeah,
2: we, we can get there. Lord, you could have changed it. And you didn't. Why yeah. didn't you? And then... I'm just not going to pray anymore. So what do we know about prayer when life gets hard and it seems like the circumstances aren't changing? Hmm.
0: It's a good question. One that uh, I've actually been thinking about a little bit more recently because we've got some really close friends who got the word about nine months ago at this point that the the wife had cancer and they thought, okay, the prognosis is pretty good with uh, you know, aggressive treatment. We are feeling good about things, but Treatment after treatment after treatment after treatment didn't work. Mm -hmm. It was ineffective and the pain just got worse. And within the last uh, couple of weeks, it has changed into a hospice type situation there. And these are good and godly people. They've been praying like crazy. They have a faith community who've been praying like crazy Mm -hmm. for them as well. And God is answering prayer, but not in the way that most people have been praying, right? And so we're encouraged to pray. We know that God works through prayer. We know that prayer can change things, but when it's not going the way that we want it to go, I think that can raise a bunch of questions for us as to, well, then why am I praying? Mm -hmm. God doesn't seem to be changing his mind right here. Mm -hmm. He's not healing. He's not working the way in which I want him to do that. And so I think that then, causes us to maybe ask some other questions like, well, what should I expect? What can I expect? What, mm-hmm. what should we expect when we pray? And in a situation like this, these friends of ours, is her healing dependent upon our prayers mm-hmm. and is her healing dependent upon the faith w- at which they're praying and people are praying? I've heard people talk about that heard sermons about that. Sure. And, you know, I think that's, that's kind of a, a scary thing. But I think that brings us back to this thing that God keeps reminding me of over and over again, is that we live in a broken, sinful world mm-hmm. with biblical truth. And often there's this tension that we find ourselves living in. We know that God can heal. We don't necessarily know that it's his will to do that. We know that God can do all these things. We don't necessarily know that that is what he is going going to do or how god is going to use our prayers for his purpose but i think it's good for us to uh, be reminded that god is not bound by our prayers
2: yeah we got to wrestle through that yeah because there is truth in all of that and so going back to the word is is just our foundation through the power of the holy spirit we go back to the word of god and we see what does it say about prayer Christy Gambrel has done a great job wrestling through this herself, and she's written an article, the Gospel Coalition, that that just had us start thinking about this, and then with your friends. And she's young, right?
0: Oh, not even forty. Yeah. Oh. with three kids, three boys, you know, under the age of thirteen.
2: All the details. Yeah. yeah. And and it's just so real when this when the tragedy hits your own life, it becomes very very real. And so we look at. First, we do know prayers are effective. James chapter 5 talks about this. Yeah, uh, We may not understand exactly what prayer is accomplishing or how it might work, but here's what we do know. By looking at James 5, like verse 16, prayer has great power as it is working, and God uses all of our prayers. And now, here's the kicker, though, for his purposes. You just yeah. said, Steve, that friends, your friends that are dealing with all this, God is answering prayers, it's right. not the big one The like the the one that everybody wants to see changed is the diagnosis and the sickness and the pain level and the hurt and the uh, the sadness. But that is not the one he's answering right now. But he's still answering.
0: Yeah. You know, and it's good to remind ourselves that God sees the bigger picture. I think that's one of the things that I have to remind myself all the time is that I look at these life circumstances and these events through a very myopic Mm -hmm. lens, right? But God is above it all Mm -hmm. and he sees what's going on in any and every circumstance and situation. And so I think, okay, if that's true, then, then how do I pray? You know, if we're praying for healing, can we pray with confidence in that? I mean, we know that sin and sickness is not the way God intended things to be originally, right? So how do we pray when that is the reality? And I think prayer in submitting that we are we would have a right understanding of this world in which we live, that we would submit to God's will, that we would trust him in the midst of that hard circumstance. And at least in the circumstances of of our friends, you know, we're reminded of the fact that whether or not she is healed physically Mm -hmm. right now, the far more important thing is that she is in a sense healed spiritually, that she has that relationship with Christ and in a matter of weeks or a few months, she is going to be living in the (laughs) reality of that complete healing, no Freed from that suffering, freed from that pain, freed from the burden of having to uh, feel the effects of a body ravaged by cancer.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: and so knowing and remembering that God sees the big picture, I think is a huge, huge part of this. I invite you to the conversation here. When things are grim, how do you pray? What are realistic expectations there? 800-555-7898. That's 800 800- Five 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 seventy eight ninety-eight. Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the morning. On YouTube today, Ginger Dagovolo's interview drops in three parts at ten forty-five, becoming free indeed. What does it mean for us today? Well, you can go check that out. Our YouTube channel, just on YouTube, look for our names, Don and Steve, or at Don and Steve, and you're gonna find that right there. But talking this morning about and prayer.
2: Central time.
0: Yeah, yes. Yep. 1045 Central Time is when that is going to drop. But as we talk about prayer this morning and how we pray when we get grim news, I think one of the things that we need to remember is like prayer is not a magic formula either. Mm -hmm. It's not like, well, if I say the right words, if I pull the right lever, if I do that, well, then God is going to answer my prayer in a a certain way. And if he doesn't answer our prayer in the way in which we want it, it's not because we, quote unquote, prayed wrong. Right. You know, I, I suppose it is possible to pray wrong, but at, at the same time, like it, when we are earnestly going before the Lord with clean hearts and right motives and all that, and he doesn't answer a prayer in which we want, it's not because we didn't figure out the magic formula. You know, God right. being sovereign and above it all, we know that he is going to move and he's going to work for His glory, and for the good. And it doesn't always feel good. Right. right doesn't it? Very often, it does not feel good. And I think another thing to remember is prayer is not a one-size-fits-all. Just like it's not a magic formula kind of thing, just the, the way that someone else prayed as they walked through a, a certain season and hard season of life may or may not be the way that God is moving you to pray mm-hmm. as you walk through maybe even a similar situation. I think of my friends and the the way in which the prayers have evolved Mm -hmm. over the months. How so? And with an early diagnosis, there's, you know, Lord, pray for healing. You know, we, Mm -hmm. we ask that, you know, God would give wisdom to the doctors and they could find the right treatments and that those would be effective. And it was very much, you know, like wisdom and direction and healing and things along those lines. And as, the timeline has progressed. I've watched the prayer requests evolve, if you will, into pray for our faithfulness,
1: mm-hmm.
0: pray for a witness, pray for those watching us, that God would help us suffer well so that they might see him in us. Yeah. And those are very different kind of prayers.
2: Those are different. Those are different. But, it, wow, talk, talking about Talk about entering into the lament that that is just that grief process, and all the while knowing that God is with you. Yeah, you don't know what it looks like. You know, we talk about living in the temporary and and God um, going home because this world's not our home, and those things are all true. But when you're in the midst of it, when you're right in the thick of it, and the hurt and the sadness and the suffering is so real and immediate. You have the long game in mind, like you know, as a believer, you know those are all true things. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes that may may have a a difficulty when you're thinking, okay, I do know that, but right now I'm just sad, yeah. and I'm just angry that there's disease in this world and that it affected my loved one, and I, I'm just gonna need to grieve this out. I get it. I know the Lord's got me. I know the Lord's mm-hmm. got her. Whatever, but to give one another the space to be in those moments right now i know that's kind of one of the the words we use right now but get, get you know the latitude enter into that and i know you and susie are doing that well with your friends there in chicago but it yeah the thing about prayer it's real it has purpose and then we trust god with the outcomes and that's where the challenges come. We have this article. It's so good. It gives you a lot to think about and pray about. It's on our Facebook page. It's Don and Steve in the morning to find it on Facebook. We're so glad you're joining the conversation on Moody Radio.